Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh. Please visit HelloFresh.com and use the promo code TWD to save $35 off your first week of deliveries. the officially unofficial podcast of The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 1, called The Day Will Come When You Won't Be. When You Will Not Be? When You Won't Be. When You Won't Be. Uh, for people who don't know, didn't remember this from six years ago, seven years ago, that's a quote from Dr. Jenner way back in the day when Rick thanks him for uh, for taking the bullet on the old CNC CNC. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's the music factory. Yes. They barely escaped from. <laughs> when they barely escaped from the CNC music factory show. Uh, yeah, he, he took the bullet on that one, and Rick told him, uh, thank you very much. He said, uh, I'm, I'm grateful. He said, and Jenner says, the day will come when you won't be. Yeah, I actually liked the callback. Yeah. Um, that, it that's, feels like an appropriate time for that. Yeah, and it's just like, yes, it's six years ago, but they also know that uh, the really obsessive fans will make that connection uh, and uh, I didn't, but that was like one of the top things on Reddit, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the episode? Uh, I thought it was mostly good, mostly good. Now, it can't wash away the sins of the finale last season. I think that hurt it a lot, um, and and this maybe needed to be, or at least part of this episode needed to be in the finale from last season, but. Uh, you know, I'm not super angry about that anymore. I've had six months to cool off on that. Uh, the The biggest problem was not only did I cool off on my outrage, but I cooled off on my emotions for these characters in general. And then they had to spend 20 minutes building me back up. And I don't, I don't think it was nearly as powerful as the hour and a half they spent last season getting us to that stage and then just not fulfilling what we wanted. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of disagree because I I thought this was an A plus episode, and I think this had to be an A plus episode mm. because I think there was a lot of people really sharpening their knives and and their, their uh, hatchets uh, ready uh, for for The Walking Dead. And yeah, yes, I definitely agree. It, it wasn't as emotionally powerful, but having said that, I got I, I it, it might be because I'm emotionally and mentally exhausted from the con we just got back from, mm-hmm. but I found myself tearing up. At parts at the end, uh, especially seeing like you know Fantasy Glenn bouncing his his baby boy on his knee, talking to Abraham at the Mister Robot style uh, Thanksgiving dinner, um, <laughs> right? I, I, and I thought there's a lot of stuff like the Abraham Isaac sacrifice choice that uh, biblical choice that uh, Negan made Rick do at the end with Carl's arm was really powerful, and I was really really afraid because I, I do believe the AMC would absolutely um, or the, the Gimple and Kirkman would absolutely cut off uh, Carl's arm. So there's a lot of suspense there. Yeah, I mean, I that's the part that that made it mostly good, like I said. But um, th- I, I think the deaths, the deaths for me were almost completely ineffectual. I, I thought... Oh, man. I thought they really just wasted the moment on those two deaths. And then uh, the thing that did get me, like you said, is the Carl and mm-hmm. Rick stuff. I mean... Mm-hmm. 
that that had me on the edge of my seat. Like, will they, won't they? Right. Uh, and the fact that they didn't wait six months to tell me whether or not they would right. made it really pay off. Well, I mean, yeah, and I don't want to harp on this point too much. I, I thought the deaths were really effective. The fact that they mm-hmm. went with the double deaths... Um, I thought was was effective, although, you know, we, we did speculate that that was probably the most likely outcome, but the fact that they right. did it, and I, I wonder if they had have done the finale last year if they would have just gone with the Glenn, because I, I know that's one of Kirkman's Maybe. regrets, the fact that, you know, he, uh, in the comics, Abraham dies shortly before he dies in the TV series, and I know uh, Kirkman said on a couple occasions that he did regret that, that he killed the one soldier off. You know, before he entered this like very this this military kind of arc where where Rick you know led this campaign, um, and then he gets uh, he runs right up against the wall of Negan. But uh, I I thought those were effective despite the weight. But I just kept mm-hmm. thinking at the end, you know, as moved as I was and as awesome as this was, I was just thinking like, man, what would have been what would this show be like? What would the audience be like? What would the fans be like if they had made this episode the finale? Right. Um, and then also you just roll that back into like, what if they had done all, you know, like, like all the missteps the Walking Dead has taken over the years. Like if this show <laughs> had rolled up to this point, if you take off all those missteps, I mean, this show could have been talked about in the same hushed tones that Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and Mad Men and on all the others are talked about. And people say, oh, that's mm-hmm. stupid. That's uh, I, I really don't think so. This show's potential and its ceiling was that high. Um, and also... I, I usually tell people to settle down when they start talking this way. I kind of think there's an outside chance there might be some Emmy talk for Andrew Lincoln and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Hmm. There's some pretty strong contenders out there. Because, because you know, with the Emmys doing the one-episode submission, this is a powerful right. episode for them both. And, like, it's like what, what Andrew Lincoln does with his snot bubbles and his, <laughs> his, his weeping, I felt, was very, very genuine. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan is just fucking amazing as Negan. Yeah, he is. The way he knows when to be quiet, the way, like, I don't miss a single fuck out of Negan's speech. Mm-hmm. Um because it's still profane, profane, it's still irreverent, it's still kind of funny, even though it's it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I thought this episode is exactly what they had to do to get the fan base to shut the the, the settle down in for the rest of the season. It's a damn shame that they couldn't have you know put this superlative episode on a nice foundation instead right. of kind of like you know you know playing out of a sand trap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I don't know how much more we want to say about the way that they handled this this decision in the premiere and the finale. Yeah. Um, but we do have a recap to get into if you want to start there. Hey, right before we get into recap, I wanted to mention because, you know, it's been a year since, well, not a year, but since last season since we talked to a lot of you. Uh, we're starting a new show that we're really excited about. It's HBO's Westworld. It's another Sunday night show. Um, it's it's just been so far really stellar, and we're getting a really great reaction. So um, I feel it's also up a lot of Walking Dead people's alley. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, uh, it's it's great looking, a lot of violence, uh, a lot of gruesome gruesome stuff happening. Have but to get used to some nudity. There is there, there, sure. there is some nudity, and they do drop the f words because this is HBO. But there's also a lot of interesting existential questions about what it means to be a human and what it means to be conscious and yeah. what ethics, and morality uh, look like in this age of dawning artificial intelligence. So uh, so if far, no episodes titled "Here's Not Here." <laughs> 
Uh, so if you're if you're looking for something to kind of uh, round out your Sunday night television watching experience, uh, give Westworld a a chance and check out our show, Watching Westworld. So when they opened up with the t- the three minute preview that we'd already seen, I was kind of scared that because I thought that that would have um, and so we're launching right into recap. Um, yeah. Uh, so so we hear. Rick, he splashed with blood. He says, I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Negan leans in and real quiet. What? I didn't quite catch that. Thought this scene was incredible. And Rick says, you know, not today, not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. And yep. there's this, uh, and, and Negan confiscates his hatchet and drags him off to the RV and says he's going to be back with Rick. And he may or may not kill them all. Um, I thought that was going to be after the credits that we would open up with the actual killing that we've been waiting for so long. And I was actually kind of already building up some outrage that they were going to stretch this out even further. Well, they had a problem on their hands. Yes. Because, because like I said, all of that emotion is gone after six months, right? You're not in this frenzied state. You're not worried about these characters. You're just getting back into the swing. So they have to give you some time to do that. Har, har, back in the swing. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> what you didn't like my joke uh but yeah they had to give you some time so they needed some build up and i think that was the right move uh yeah it still didn't it still didn't land quite as effectively as for me as it would have if they had done it last season midway but, through the rv scene sequence with the hatchet on the roof i started to appreciate you know that exactly that's what they were doing they were digging them there was they're hacking their way out of the sand trap and they needed to do that right um, now I can I can tell you if they had waited much longer, right. I would have been complaining again. Right. They they did hit a good balance of build up versus prolonging the inevitable, you know. Right, right. Uh, so they uh, Negan goes into the RV, uh, throws Rick to the ground, buries the axe in the table, and says, "Let's go for a ride." Uh, struggles to start the RV because, of course, Dale's not there. Right. I uh, love that all the RVs in this world are just pieces of shit. Sure. That's true of all television, though. Yeah. And uh, Negan is inviting Rick to essentially try another thing, another round of resistance. And he invites him. He's looking in the rearview mirror. He's like, this is your best shot. Mm-hmm. Back's turn. Of course, Rick takes the bat. And instantly, Negan turns on him with a, uh, a, a semi-automatic rifle of some tor- sort. Uh, hits him in the t- uh, stomach and then uses the flat head of the axe to concuss the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Like I, I thought, they really sold that impact and how disorientated Rick was with the rest of the scene. And he says, you know, think about you know, there's a new dawn breaking. Think about what's happened and what can still happen. And they drive off. Uh, this next scene where they're driving through the fog and Negan is splattering walkers on the windshield. Uh, how is it so foggy? How is it so – and if it is so foggy, how is he driving so fast? Because he just doesn't give – I mean, he doesn't <laughs> give a fuck. I, rule of cool, I'm going to okay. allow this because I thought the visuals were really fucking cool. I thought and, he had, like, magic busted up and he was driving through the clouds or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, magic school busted. Or, sure. like, he had shrunk down and was driving through a smoker's lungs. Sure, sure. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess I, cause I, you know, I'm from the Midwest and I know you don't get up as early as I do, but it's not infrequent that you get fog in, in the morning, especially in the fall where I kind of feel oh, like yeah. we are. I actually I have no fucking clue. I have no fucking clue what time of year we are, but it feels like the fall. So I'm going to say right it's now? the fall. I think it's fall. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, but, um, but I thought it was good. It was a good character building moment. It was just visually interesting, and he's laughing. Oh, remind you of someone when their heads get exploded. 
Uh, and there's also this kind of effective thing where the sur- what I assumed were the survivors, but it's actually Rick recollecting all the memories he has of these people because he's doing this thing. He's thinking about what can mm-hmm. still happen. Uh, and we see Rosita and Glenn and some memories of them. Which I thought they actually should have used as a preview for this season. Mm. Uh, I mean, that, that three-minute clip that they released was the good. Eeny, oh, well, also they had the Eeny Meeny, which I thought was pretty effective. Oh, right. Where but they it, used... But they didn't, like, show everybody getting bashed. I thought they should have showed them all getting bashed. Yeah. I mean, especially since they had the footage, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And They were going to film it for this anyway. I also thought it was pretty ingenious, the fact that they went and filmed the deaths of everyone just to confound the the spoiler hounds. Now, I think it turns out that there's a cup that the the spoiling dead fans probably had it 100% right, and that's why AMC ceased and desisted them preemptively. Yeah. Yeah. but still, nice touch. Nice touch. I also think Rick probably could have got the jump on Negan while he was driving. I do, but I think you got to remember that he had just gotten bashed over the head with a fucking hatchet. Right. And, and his, I think his bell was fucking rung. And, and the other thing is, you know, think about what could happen. And let's say he does kill right. Negan here, right? And he right. drives back into that, that ring of dudes with the RV and says, I killed your leader. Right. Well, they're still going to all die. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think this episode, I at least I was doing the the, the whole time. I was thinking, like, at what point do you break? Right. You know, because you can see, like, there, there's a, a scene especially where during the eeny, meeny, miny scene where you can just, they just really are tight on Lincoln's face, and you can see him as Rick just trying to calculate the angles. Like, we've seen him bite a man's throat out. We've seen him have his soldiers get to jump on people. We've seen mm-hmm. him like always come through the odds and he's just his mind is racing to try to see where the angle is, where is his play. Yeah. And there was nothing. Just too and, much force. Yeah. And I think you had that plus the fact that his head is probably yeah. you know from that from the axe axe uh swing um and I don't think he could, yeah that's probably the best best shot he had but then you know where does he get him? So Yeah, where does he go from there? Right. Um so he gives this little speech when he gets to where he uh, he's going, and he says, "You are mine. All your people are mine. This axe is mine." And he, I first thought he threw it out the wind door, and I was about to call some bullshit on the physics. But on further review, it seems pretty clear that they were uh, they they showed Negan throwing it up on the roof. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he says, "Go out there and get the axe." And they establish that they're just they're in a piss pot full of walkers and fog. And fog, and <laughs> he throws Rick out the fucking door, and we have uh, we we see that uh, so so there's more memories of Sasha, Eugene, and Aaron, and Abraham, and Maggie, and Daryl, and we're back at the giant pile of logs that the Saviors had formed into a barricade last season, and it looks like it's been exploded. All right, I yeah. I'm not as sure. This like I'm not as sure exactly what the point of that was. Whether there was a bunch of walkers in that pen and they blew it open, or or maybe that the giant explosion uh, made the, the brought all the walkers to you know, and the resulting fire brought all the walkers there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, um, you know, Rick fights his way to the top of the RV. Sees the guy that was hung for his disobedience last year. Mm-hmm. That paid off pretty pretty handsomely, I thought. Yeah, it was cool. Um, it's going to continue to pay off yep. uh, in the next few scenes. Yep, and again, Rick, they, they, they really show him re- remembering um, mm-hmm. his people and, and thinking about Michonne, you know, the people that are more most important to him. Uh, they go back and revisit the eeny, meeny, miny scene, and it's just, I mean, the point of this is the how in control Negan is, right? 
mm-hmm. uh, that that Rick is trying to figure out an angle and he can't. Um, he selects Abraham, and what I thought was interesting is, do you think that uh, that Abraham was a random selection, or do you think that that was an intentional, calculated move by by Negan? Hmm. Because in the comic books, they made it pretty clear that he was just eeny, meeny, miny, mo. But this, like, he skipped around, he reversed, he skipped a whole bunch of words. And as the, as the bat was falling in front of everybody, everybody was, like, focusing on the bat and shitting their pants. Abraham was locked in. Right. And I wonder if Negan's like, this is the one guy who is going to be, he, there's no way I can break him. Mm-hmm. Rick has got his son. I can apply some pressure to, but Abraham is going to spit in my face and and and, and never compromise. But you got Sasha. He but can he, apply I, does pressure he know there. that? No, of course Negan wouldn't know that. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, I guess it doesn't matter. Right. Now that he's dead. <laughs> no, no. I just thought it's like I, I was trying to glean something from the personality. I, I thought yeah. it was a strategic move. He was certainly the most defiant, um, even more so than Daryl. I'd yep. say, yeah. And and when I remember, so so I I know we made fun of Abraham flashing a peace sign to Sasha, mm-hmm. uh, but it did pay off a bit in this episode because as Negan made his selection, Abraham flashed it to her one last time to kind of like say, "I don't know, I'm accepting of this, or everything's going to be okay." Suck my nuts. Suck my nuts. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and Abraham good. Abraham died like he lived, spouting AMC safe versions of adult language. Oh yeah, you couldn't you couldn't have Abraham go out without one, right? And he lived like he died. He did he died like he lived. Whatever M- it is, mother dick, he mother dick <laughs> to the end. Uh, and uh, Negan beats the complete shit out of him. Yeah, and uh, Daryl gets pissed off when he starts taunting Rosita and takes a swing at him, and uh, Negan. Sh- uh, shuts all this shit down. Dwight offers to kill him with his own crossbow. Uh, I was not afraid for Daryl. Once Abraham was selected, I thought, nope, Daryl's going to be safe. Hmm. Um, and Negan says, nope, that's not how it works. Uh, someone else has got to be punished. And then he just beats Glenn to death. And Jesus Christ, this scene is straight out of the comics, and it is yeah. fucking brutal. Yep. It's Your eyeball my... just pops out, and it is gross as shit. Yeah, it it, it, it was man. It, it it and I felt bad. Like, um, yeah, there's there's very few times. Like, I guess I got desensitized to the gore, but the fact that I kind of care about uh, Glenn and Maggie, even though they kind of jerked us around, um, I'm surprised at how much I was affected with the death of Glenn, even though they had hmm. just jerked us around the dumpster. And there's a lot of jokes on some of the discussion threads about you think you think Glenn's hiding under the bat. Was he able to roll under the RV? Uh, <laughs> Rolled Mor- under his own did, did, eyeball. Did, did Morgan swoop in and, and swap, swip, uh, swatch his body out, swap his body out with the walker before uh, uh-huh. he got a, 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 the, the swing on him? But, Maybe. Uh, yeah, he just beats the shit. And, and I liked how they keyed on, like, Daryl and Maggie's reaction. Um, not just Maggie, or not, or not just Maggie, but also Daryl, because it's arguable that this is kind of Daryl's fault. Well, oh, it's not arguable. I don't even think it's, it's arguable. Yeah. I don't think you can argue against it. And and the one of the reasons that this is an A plus episode is because it sets up some genuine drama, like Daryl being conscripted into Negan's army, and he's got right. so much fucking leverage. We know how emotionally kind of damaged and vulnerable Daryl is anyway, mm-hmm. and how he can easily get into kind of like don't give a fuck mercenary mode if if you know like when he when he got with the claimers, um, and here he's going to be just stewing in this pot full of guilt and. 
Negan brainwashing and, and got I'm I'm really interested to see where they go with this. And, yeah, and, and from the other side of it too. I mean, our our group, the survivors, have to kind of capitulate to Negan here because they've got Daryl. And you know, he threatens Daryl uh Daryl's parts. He's gonna start chopping if uh Rick doesn't give him what he wants. So Yeah, it's a really it's a really neat trap that you they've think laid might for be, the heroes here. What if there's like another governor style raid thing where they try and go in after Daryl to save him? I mean, the thing they've is... They've done this once. And, and this... I, I felt like the finale last year established a fact and Rick reiterates it to, that that Negan had an army. They just mm-hmm. severely misunderestimated. Right. Um, they didn't think that... Misunderestimated Jesus. Mis, uh, underestimated him. Um, they didn't think that there could be an apocalyptic group of badasses as big as them and well-organized as them because they took it as a matter of faith that anyone that could be as well-organized as them would have the same kind of esprit de corps, the same kind of morals and values, because they'd seen so so many other selfish, tyrannical regime, regimes uh, tear themselves apart from the inside. Right. Uh, but they didn't know that there was a leader like Negan out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the brilliant part of this arc of the, the series, is that it's all about, you know, Rick finally has met his match, and what the fuck is he going to do? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Obviously, Negan is willing to kill and intimidate and lead with fear. I don't know if he's going to bring anything else to the table, but he seems to be a saner version of the governor, um, which is and a more and a more malicious version of the governor too. Because right. the governor, on the face of it, if he wasn't crazy, might have actually had a good thing going in Woodbury. Sure. You know, I mean, if if he wasn't killing his own people, right. the other people in the town were happy. Yeah, Matt, so, so like, Negan... And that's the thing, like, yes, Negan is brutal, mm-hmm. but also, uh, you know, if, if we take him at his word here, that he's he's he honors his word, and, you know, he's, he's if you work for him and you do good work... I mean, we haven't really seen what kind of, of suffering, uh, you know, we, we've heard from the Hilltop that there's some people to grumble about, you know, that he takes too much and whatnot. But on the other hand, the Hilltop is effective, is, is functioning. Mm-hmm. No one was starving. Um, you, I, I think there's a question of, like, maybe maybe Negan's the type of guy that you need in this world. <laughs> like, I wouldn't fucking vote for him. Right. But he wouldn't ask for my vote. <laughs> well, no, definitely not. And And also, was this the road that Rick was heading down? I don't know because he I mean, the Alexandria of, doesn't get blown to pieces. Yeah, but but by think about walkers. think about the way they treated the hilltop. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that he's exactly the same as Negan, but him and Maggie essentially extorted them. It's a mafia style protection yeah. ring that they had established. Um, That's true. And yeah. how much different is what Negan is offering than than Rick? Well, I don't know what Negan is offering. Negan is is demanding tribute so mm. far. I don't know what he actually gives the Hilltop. Right. Because it didn't seem like he gave them anything. He just took 50% of everything they had. I mean, I guess he protects them from people like himself. I he protects suppose. them from walkers. Like, he also just doesn't, dis, you know, I, I, I have an army big enough that I can just destroy you guys, but I'd rather have mm. you earning things for me. I'd rather have you providing for me. I mean, like I said, it's it's, it's yeah. a straight up mafia style extortion ring. Oh yeah, but it's also kind of what you know. I guess Rick was trying to set up a kinder, gentler one. Would he have succeeded? I, I don't know. 
Uh, anyway, uh, so Rick is in a bad way. He is, we're, we're back in the present and he is trying to get this, uh, this, this ax and, um, he's, 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 he's fought his way on top of the RV and he's been laying there thinking about his fate for a while. And Negan's getting impatient and he starts shooting up the RV and Rick is forced to jump onto the, the hanging zombie and he's got, not exactly rock in a hard place. It's more like, uh, you know, a crowd of teeth in a toothy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the one zombie swinging from the chain trying to bite down. He's got a whole horde of zombies trying to bite up. And Negan uh, opens up the rear window and starts sh- shooting the zombies. He's, like, kind of giving a little level playing field. Uh, in the confusion, Rick loses the bat, or not the bat, the, the axe, the hatchet somewhere in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, Negan, again, clears the crowd a bit, says the clock's ticking. Think about what you have to lose. Uh, Rick then climbs into the or, or crawls through the forest, finds the axe, almost gets bit by the swinging zombie's head because by this time I forgot to mention that his weight had pulled the head right <laughs> off of that that zombie. Yep, um, pretty, pretty disgusting. Pretty cool. He, he tries to fight his way to the door, but the door is locked because Negan is that kind of asshole, and he's he's having these final thoughts of this, his people being beat to death by Negan's bat uh, swimming through his head as Negan opens the door and assists him one last time and lets him in and says, attaboy. And they have another long monologue where Negan says, I know it's hard for you that you've been this, 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 he calls him king shit for so long, and now you just got neutered in front of your son, mm-hmm. but you can still lead a nice productive life producing for me, and he cleans off his hatchet and gives it back to Rick. Uh, so real quick before Rick gets it back into the RV, uh, he has an encounter with a couple of zombies. First of all, um, we were at Rocket City NerdCon this weekend and we uh-huh. talked with Chris Harrison, who Harrelson, is like Woody. Yes. Um, is one of the featured zombies, uh, in the walking dead. He's played a whole bunch of them. He plays one in this episode and he's, two, uh, mm, he told me there was, he was, he played two featured zombies in this episode. I thought it was one in the first two episodes. Oh, each, maybe, but, maybe that's right. But he, <laughs> but also he said, said he's underneath Rick when he's swinging from that zombie and he's getting kicked. Oh, okay. Because he did. When, when I was talking to him, I, I said, I bet I can pick now that I've, I've you know, met you and your physicality. I bet I can pick it out. He's like, good luck. Because yeah. with the fog and confusion and all that stuff, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then there's the grossest zombie maybe that I've seen yet, which is where Rick grabs the one by the neck and it just bubbles out this disgusting green ooze. The the pus bubble, the Uh, boil, yeah, and it's so disgusting that Rick's got to like he looks down at his hand and shakes off the goo. Sure, and a man fighting for his life uh, has the moment to be grossed out by what he just stuck his hand in. Right, that's pretty gross. (laughs) Pretty fuck, especially this man. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. I thought. Rick's face when he accepts the axe was just beautiful. And I'm thinking, because uh, this was a long episode, and I had, um, I because I was watching it on a DVR and I was kind of fast forwarding through the commercials. 45 minutes on Amazon. Was it? I yeah. thought it was like a, an hour and a half actually. No, runtime. no, was God, it? no. Okay. Um, I was fast forwarding and I was wondering, I was like, man. Unless I didn't watch half of it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, well, we're about to say, this doesn't, this isn't the end of the episode. No. Nope. Um, I, I was wondering if Negan was going to pick up on the fact that Rick really hasn't learned his lesson. Two people in, Rick is still plotting murder and mm-hmm. deception and and uh, rebellion uh, in his eyes. Uh, so Rick's back. Uh, 
he is being drugged from the RV, and I thought it was also his, the physicality of his performances. Rick is trying to get back to his, uh, up to his feet the entire time. He wants to walk back to his people to show them that he is not unbent and he's not he or he is he's not unbent. He is actually unbent, unbowed, unbroken, much like the Dornish people. Uh, and he says, "Do you know what this trip is about? I wanted you to understand who's in charge, but you're still looking at me like I shit in your scrambled eggs." And he says, do I give you another chance? And Rick says, yes, you should. So he grabs Carl out of the crowd. It has all of his men uh, point guns at the rest of the people's heads, belts uh, uh, Carl's arm, calls for a pin, marks a line on it, and tells Rick right here, right now, cut off your son's left arm. Make it like a salami slice. Leave it. Because we're going to fold it over and maybe he'll live. And Ugh. I mean, just I, again, I, I'm going through this really quickly because uh, I know we probably have lots of feedback. I want to leave time for it, but just the, the 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 performance that Jeffrey Dean Morgan's given on Negan is just amazing because he's like, you know, I know yeah. it's going to take a while for you to process. I'm not going to do the movie villain cliche of just like you do it now, but mm-hmm. then also you're not talking your way out of it. This is going to happen, and Michonne tries to bargain uh, for his life and. Negan says, yeah, oh, yeah, I know. I've got your attention. It's this guy I'm worried about. Right. And then Rick tries to bargain. He tries to plead. He got the snot bubble coming out of his nose. <laughs> uh, and then that's when Negan knows he has him. And uh, yeah. he's about to, you know, he he, he, he realizes there's no way out. He, he raises the axe. And then Negan, kind of like uh, a Jehovah in the Old Testament, stops Abraham from sacrificing Isaac and saying, all right, I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. This is the look. The snot bubble is what I wanted to see. I wanted to see mm-hmm. utter despair that, you know... I've broken you and that we've all come together and he's kind of tries to do this oddly inspirational thing. Like, you know, it's a new day and we've made some progress and I'm taking Daryl as kind of a hostage slash soldier lays out that if you betraying, I'm going to cut pieces of him and mail him to your doorstep or better yet call you back to my base and have you do it. And he says, I'll be back in one week for a first offering and throws Rick his hatchet and says, Tata. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to talk about in this? I don't know. Negan's an interesting character to me because, like, you think, okay, how did he, how did he build the army that he's built? Right? I mean, a guy like this, he either he either has been extremely lucky in that every group he's found has been smaller than the group he currently has, which um, I buy the army he currently has. Uh, well, I don't I don't mean currently, but like at every step of the road, right? Like, so Negan's a dude. And he's out on the road, and he finds a couple of other dudes who are like-minded, and then they run across one other person. And he can intimidate and and brutalize them into helping him, to being his follower. So, and, so, then, and then he gradually like builds this thing, mm-hmm. or or he he started out with a big army, which is possible, I suppose. Yeah, I feel like there's, you know, this is kind of like the moon formation hypothesis, you know, like no one's exactly sure, but we, right. can, we can come up with some educated guesses, right? Because um, I thought about this, too, and I'm wondering – I could see two ways. I could see Negan having, like, a core group of guys, and they're, like, these post-apocalyptic badasses, and say mm-hmm. they met a group like the Claimers. Right. And he's able to take out Joe, and he just gets lucky that one time. And the Claimers probably like, well, shit, this guy's fucking crazier than Joe was, and, and he's going to let us rape and pillage, so let's follow him. Now, like, he becomes a snowball. The right. other way I want I, I thought it might go is like say that he was already in a large kind of group of marauders 
Um, and he thought, you know, he, he saw that's like, you know, he was with a, like a guy like Joe or maybe like the wolves where their goals were just kind of stupid and silly. And he had the idea that, you know, he's, instead of just mindlessly raping and pillaging, we're going to find these, we're the wolves, we're going to find the sheep and mm-hmm. we're just going to fucking fleece them. And we're going to come yeah. back and we're just going to keep shearing and keep, well, why shear him once? Why kill him and shear him once when you can just shear him again and again and again? And that was kind of the brilliant idea that he had to kind of take that group over and refocus it. Right. It just makes me wonder, like, if if Negan at some stage when he didn't have a huge army, potentially, uh, had come across like a governor type guy, well, then he'd have a real fight on his hands, right? He wouldn't just be able to overpower them and force them to do his bidding uh, he'd actually have to put up a fight. It does seem... So I feel like that's the thing about Negan that I've never... And why I think Negan is the best villain The Walking Dead's had to this point. Is that he does seem like he's got layers. He's got different gears. He's not exactly mm-hmm. a psychopath. He's doing right. these things, these psychological things for an effect. Mm-hmm. And for an impact. And he knows that he's got different carrots and different sticks for different people. And like... The the flashback to the governor's backstory I thought was dumb and pointless. Uh, I actually w- could use a three or four episode flashback to Negan's rise to power because I think that would be interesting. I think so because he's yeah. he's more he's more impressive. He's more intimidating. Uh, he's more calculating. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to know exactly how this guy came to power. Or maybe he's changed over the years. Maybe he started out as a guy who was gathering uh, people who. Just wanted to live together peacefully. And over the years, he's realized that's not enough. And now fear yeah. is the way that he rules. And I'd also like to see how they flesh him out to see if there's going to... Because, I'm again, I stopped rereading. I, I was, up until about two seasons ago, rereading the arcs right before we do the series. And it just was driving me crazy because yeah, they yeah. just make these small alterations and it, it, got, it bugged me. So I haven't actually read Negan's arc in probably five years. But I wonder how they're going to flesh him out. Like, there's Negan in his private moments, and I wonder if that's how why Daryl's going with him because we get a true POV character in his camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if he sees this as kind of I. If everybody was like the you know the Ricks of the world, or if everybody's like the Joes or the Governors, humanity would die out. Like, I am the leader that the world needs to reboot because he's he's kind of rebooting civilization. He's this warlord. That is protecting these pockets of civilization and and giving them the leadership that they need. And, you know, they're not because because look at like, you know, what happened at the prison. Look at what happened at Woodbury. Look at what happened at the Slabtown hospital. Look Mm -hmm. what happened to Alexandria. Like that shit kind of threatens to tear itself apart because of weak, ineffectual leadership. And I am the strong leader that is going to make sure that the humanity doesn't die out. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that might be what you need in the apocalyptic world. (laughs) <laughs> and also, I think, you know, maybe the other thing we're supposed to understand is that Negan's backstory is essentially Rick's backstory. It's just one he had, you know, maybe a little bit more loss or maybe right. a little bit more cynical. He didn't have the thing where he could, you know, that that he never lost the hope that we could have these everybody sitting around a supper table in old age and yeah. celebrating Thanksgiving. Never ran into a Deanna yeah. Or anybody like that. He didn't have the crucial barley equals intellect equation. <laughs> right. That would allow you to to reboot civilization in a kinder, gentler way. Uh, so then uh, pretty much all we have left is reactions. Uh, we get a lot of extended uh, yeah. Emmy, Emmy takes for people um, trying to come to grips with this. Can I say I don't 
think I like Lauren Cohan's performance here. Okay, explain. I, I it just there's something about it I just didn't feel. I mean, she's doing a lot. To. She's trying to portray I know, a she's pregnant doing woman. A lot. She, she's she's trying to portray a pregnant woman who's on death's door. She's trying uh-huh. to portray someone who is because if if Daryl's most to blame for Glenn's death, I think that what she's what what she's done that's kind of interesting here is or what they did last season is interesting is that Maggie was the one who kind of was the godfather. She's the one that made this deal with the hilltop in the first place. I will take care of the saviors in return for mm-hmm. you know you providing us the the good stuff. And they're on the road because of her. And they're on I the mean, road because of her. Yeah. I mean in in the micro and macro, she yeah. is kind of the most to blame for what is happening right now. I I'm not saying it was an easy thing, an easy performance to pull off or that mm. she flopped. I'm just saying there was something about it I just didn't connect You think it's with on me. her the director because I will say I, I that we have got a body of evidence where yeah. There has been occasions that sh- we have not been exactly satisfied. Now, like you know, we've made a lot of excuses, like Beth's death. What the fuck do you do? Right? They kind of fucked up the whole plot line, and they fucked up the whole. And they never really had Maggie worrying about her. And then, like, uh, well, I never had a problem with her performance there. I liked her performance. I just didn't think it was the right time. <laughs> or and and it didn't. It I didn't felt like it came way up. too late. It, it was. It was lacking the foundation unearned. it needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like. I, I guess we could have a discussion about whether maybe she's just not as as good as we wanted her to be. Want her to be? I or don't we know. Just, do I, we always have a crush on Maggie, and we were uh, get, giving her passes on some of these questionable acting choices. Like I, I honestly don't know where I stand with her. Yeah, I'm not sure. I definitely always had a crush on Maggie, but sure. Well, who did? Uh, I don't. I hope that didn't cloud my judgment too much. Well, <laughs> it's happened to better men than you. Jim. It's That's happened true. to better men than you. Uh. But I, 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 I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot going on, and I think that actually the the ensemble cast kind of helped her for me yeah. because, you know, she's wanting to do this thing. She's wanting to not – like she's having this overreaction to this stimulus, and she wants to, you know, go her own path so no one – she can n- not be responsible for anyone else's death, and she wants to take care of Glenn. And you know, I thought that, you know, Aaron and, and Rick make the case that – we, you know, you need to do this yourself. Well, we need to help you. Mm-hmm. And there's more of us than there are of you. Yeah, and I thought, I mean, Andrew Lincoln just destroys. He chews up this episode and yeah. shits it out. Like, yeah. Not in a bad way. I mean, that's in, the thing. In the like, best way possible. Like, like him and, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan are playing King oh. of the Hill, and everybody else just got pushed to the bottom. Right. It's t- it's tough to to play opposite those two guys in this episode because, man, they nail it. Yep. Uh, I did feel like... They put an appropriate amount of sorrow into Sasha. It was interesting because Rosita actually felt it the most, which makes a lot of sense because, uh-huh. you know, she loved Abraham and Sasha is just kind of getting to know Abraham, you know, in as much as they've had a few episodes together and a road trip and, and a peace sign or two. Right. Th- they weren't like super connected, right? It was always Abraham kind of like pushing this thing right. on her and she started to come around to it, but I don't feel like they were like madly in love like Rosita was with Abraham. So her being like not as broken up as Rosita, but still, you know, bummed out and really and asserting felt true. and asserting that like Abraham, like almost like I, I came away just super fucking impressed with Rosita. 
Yeah. She has been such an adult and so mature about this whole thing that because because she could easily yeah. like Sasha essentially asserted like you know this is what Abraham would have wanted mm-hmm. for me to have him uh-huh. <laughs> and Rosita you could see that like that was a hard thing for her to swallow but like I said yeah. goddamn and Rosita, I did like Rosita's becoming one of my favorites she is a fucking rock man I did like the moment where they both kind of have their hand on Abraham's body yeah uh, on each other's hands too mm-hmm. and, and they pull away and lift him up but. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty good moment for them. Um, what did you think about the imaginary Thanksgiving dinner? Because that's where it, it actually finally... I, I, felt, I don't know. <laughs> I felt lumps in my throat, but when they focused on Glenn and his son and then him, yeah. and, him and Abraham kind of sitting and like smiling at each other and they were both happy... And that that's not going to happen. Like I, I, I even turned to Sessie. I can't fucking believe this show is doing this to the, me. The, this show, it's not fair. This show didn't earn this. This show has not. This is this has taken advantage of my weakened state and my sentimentality for father and son relationships. And yep. <laughs> uh, so it was strange to me because Morgan and his wife were there. His wife, who right. Rick knows is dead and could never have had a future but with T- Morgan. you know who wasn't there? T-Dog wasn't fucking there. Oh, seriously? Right. Like, that's I didn't thing. see, like, the... the, the well, end of the knows, table maybe there the was camera, a table going off into infinity. There's the kids' table. That. Is there, like, uh, yeah. T-Dog's Lin- at the kids' table well, going, what's what the fuck? Lizzie and uh, Mika <laughs> and T-Dog's right. over at that table. Yeah, like, just, just staring daggers. <laughs> um and, and I thought that's the thing. It's like, man, if you're going to go a fantasy sequence, and I guess it's it's probably scheduling and can you get these guys back and all that stuff. But oh, if you're sure. going to do a fantasy sequence and include dead people, then maybe. No, Dale? Was Dale there? No, there's no way they're going to get. Dale. He's not coming back. No. he's uh, He'll come back. If Darabont was at the table, he'd come back. Right. No Shane, I imagine. <laughs> oh, no. Rick probably wouldn't want to see Shane there. No, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, it's it's... it's I'm I'm being mostly an asshole with that, but I thought it would have been a pure thing if nobody that wasn't that couldn't have been there, absent the decisions made that day and the actions that day would have been there. But yeah, um, I thought they muddied the water a little bit with uh, Morgan's wife. Yeah, it, that was weird. Um, and then there was an odd scene of the lone zombie, which I thought they were trying to make the point of just you know if, if you haven't been paying attention. Zombies aren't the main attraction anymore. Mm-hmm. They are not the main threat. They're just kind of sideshows. But then they had the interesting choices as Rick falls, um, pulls away, having it just fall to the ground to lick up the blood. Yeah. Uh, the fresh blood on the ground. What, if anything, were they trying to say with that? I really couldn't tell you. I, I didn't get it um, other than maybe just like, hey, we need a little bit of zombie action at the end here. I wonder if also sure. they were like, you know, these were the... I'm kind of surprised they didn't bring back the, the, the Jenner scene at the end. Because yeah. I wonder, like, if Rick was thinking, I wish I, you know, the zombies are the ones to have it easy. Because they just walk and kill, <laughs> and they're not emotionally affected, and they do what they need to survive. Yeah. And they don't have to feel anything. And I have all this pain, like... like why doesn't Rick just put a gun in his mouth and pull the trigger at this point? Carl, I guess. Probably I knowing know. the fact that that might actually piss Negan off him enough that he would go kill everybody. I mean, maybe. I think I feel like. So, what is Negan's weakness? I feel like Negan's weakness is the fact that he's a businessman. He is, you know, yes, he's ruthless. Yes, he's cruel. But he's got some calculations that he doesn't want to kill everything in Alexandria because his crew needs 
They need the food. They need the medical supplies. They need the ammunition. They need the stuff that these people find and produce to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he kills all of the settlements, then he doesn't, you know, then his men will have to, like you said, you know, you need to write in hand man because if you don't, you got to do too much work. Right. So I, I wonder if that's going to be his weakness, the fact that Rick is going to decide that, you know, there are a few things he can get away with just because Negan isn't willing to do away with them. Yeah, he was pretty easily able, or they, uh, Maggie had a big hand in this, but they were pretty easily able to convince the Hilltop to turn to their side, right? If yeah. they could do that for more and more of Negan's colonies, right. I, I assume there are more, um, maybe that would erode his power enough that, you know, and, and he wouldn't be able to take them out, like you said, because he needs the supplies. That might actually gain him some leverage. What do you think of Maggie's initial reaction that they need to go and f- get people and get get everybody ready to go kill? I mean, was that? It's anger. I mean, I I understand right. the mentality, I, the sentiment. Um, I was surprised that more characters didn't feel that way. Um, I wasn't. I thought that. I was trying to, you know, because again, she was doing a lot, and I was trying to figure yeah. out exactly what they're trying to do with her character, and she just seemed like she had. You know, nowhere to go, nowhere to deal with this stuff. I, I guess I felt like if if I was in that situation, I'd probably be completely cowed. I'd be shitting my pants and like, man, we need to we need to straighten up and fly right. Right. This, this we uh, uh, the the jury is now in. We are not the biggest badasses. Uh, we need to we need to get our our. But our, they've got Enid and Gabriel and. Uh, little baby ass kicker back there. Right, right. Yeah, and we need to get them tending the barley fields because up. that's our play. Just, just <laughs> right. keep the barley coming, and we'll yeah. be fine. Keep the barley going, and we'll be fine. Oh boy. Uh, and they end on uh, Rick's eyes, and I was looking for what was going on there. Um, the was look. there defiance? Was there despair? Was there and and was there there? I, I was thinking that like at the end, they might tighten up a bit to show that there hasn't all the fire gone out. But I thought that it, my final analysis after watching it a couple times is that this is just a beaten man. Yeah, it really did feel like it. I don't think there was any defiance left. All right. Um, so that's the episode. Again, I thought it was the episode that they had to deliver, which is some kind of shows a little bit of improvement um, from the previous seasons is that a lot of times we've said that they've had to have a good episode at a particular time to really, you know, keep disaster from happening. And a lot of times they haven't done it. Uh I felt like they did deliver what they had to do based on the situation they put themselves in the previous season. Also, do we have any feedback about the foreshadowing that's gone on to in, in the Glenn's death? With the dumpster? No, not the dumpster. With the fact that we've seen a lot of imagery of, you know, him taking pictures and him wielding baseball bats and holding baseball bats and being menaced by baseball bats. Like, going back to the Terminus Stark is when they first started doing this. And um, I I thought that that's, you know, I got to give it to Gimple. I think that sometimes he's sloppy, sometimes he's unfocused, sometimes these plots are flabby. But I do think that despite everything, he has put just enough emotion and just enough planning into like like the gesture, like having Abraham doing the peace sign. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should have come up with something different uh, that wouldn't have been as goofy yeah. uh, or been more to his character. But the that little callback was pretty effective, and 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 did did you know that was one of the things that ramped up the emotion enough that they they almost got a begrudging tear out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where I'm going with that other than I think that 
uh, it was definitely foreshadowed. I mean, for all the comic book fans who knew that that's how it goes down in the comics, that the Glenn does in fact get the bat, mm-hmm. uh, it was definitely foreshadowed many a time. And I think we've talked about those in previous episodes when it has happened in the spoiler sections. Right. The other uh, thing about Maggie and, you know, we're, we're talking about Lauren Cohen and whether she's doing a good job. Um, is Maggie the most tortured individual at this point? She's seen her sister die, her brother die, her, <laughs> her father die, die, her husband die, all before her very eyes, essentially. Her mother die? I mean, well, yeah, going her mom back out in the to barn? the, 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 yeah. the doodlebug days, sure. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's had it rough. I mean, I, is there anyone that's lost more? Like, I feel like that maybe that's part of the, like, how do you play a character who has seen this much horror at this stage? Uh well I mean Carl's seen a lot of horror I I suppose I mean yeah he's seen he's a lot of directly participated in horror I mean he had to cut the baby out of his mom so that's pretty bad that's pretty traumatic he is uh yeah but it was just his mom and she was Lori <laughs> Grimes so <laughs> true true um. Yeah, yeah, Maggie might be the most. I'm trying fortunate. to think if, if in the Pain Olympics, is there's anybody with more gold medals than she has? I don't think so. Okay, because that's the other thing the I was gold. I was trying to grade on his curve is like, man, how the hell do you per, do do you play? Like, am I? I kind of from this point forward, um, of course, she's now like I guess going to have a baby, and then that kind of resets. But like, if she loses this baby, yeah, I want to see her as a fucking Terminator. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing that can get to her. Yeah, who's Sasha lost her brother? A couple friends. Uh-huh. A proto-love interest. Yeah, not that much. Yeah. Gabriel lost his whole congregation, although oh, he well, did it to himself. He didn't lose it. He <laughs> threw the congregation out the way. It's like, you don't lose your car keys if you flush them down the toilet. <laughs> you just made poor decisions. He would say he lost them. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, Yeah, probably Maggie. All right. Can we, can we talk about foreshadowing a little bit? Because there's Please. there's the hand-chopping stuff going on in here. And we have long talked about how... uh. In the first season, or first season of the comic books, in in very early on in the comic books, uh, Rick gets his hand chopped off, mm-hmm. and how Robert Kirkman has said that is the biggest mistake he made in the comics mm-hmm. for that character. There, there is so much playing with that idea in this episode right. between, like, even when they just mention the hatchet at, at the beginning. Oh, sure, they're already starting in on it. Fans are um, a buzz. Right, there's, there's all that he drags him to the RV, and you think, okay, maybe he's gonna take his hand. He, he several times threatens to, and I then kept he on thinking that like, Carl. there's no fucking way. But yeah, can continue. Well, I was even when he drew this fucking line on Carl's arm, mm-hmm. and it started counting down. I was like, there's no way they're gonna do this because I know that Kirkman didn't want to do this. But I and I was like eighty percent sure it wouldn't happen. And, okay, and then it ultimately didn't happen. Okay. Do you think – I mean, how do you think that played for as far as you're concerned? I thought I was more 50-50 because I was going through my head the math of like, okay, I don't think they do it with Rick because there's so much green screening involved. But Carl, who's a secondary character – I mean, I know he's one of the primary characters um, and Kirkman has said that, that, the, that Walking Dead is really going to be – once I tell the entire story – 
you'll appreciate right. that this has been Carl's story, not Rick's story. And, and that's solidified Take that my what, stance. But but I, I was th- and I, I but I was thinking it's like, well, maybe you could do that at the Green Sock, and maybe he's like, you know, maybe maybe he'll be like a John Connor stock because you know, of course, this is all this is not just as me fan theorying. This is not like my certain knowledge, but but maybe he intends him to be more of a John Connor, where he's his mind and leadership is what he's not as much of a physical badass as and a madman as his father. Mm-hmm. Like, oh God, I could see, I guess, where he. So so I was processing all that, and then it turns out it didn't happen. But no, I, I thought that when – I thought it was actually brilliant that he did it. And plus I also think the other wild card is I don't know that Kirkman and Gimple and uh, Nicotero are – even though just because it's a bad idea doesn't mean they won't do it. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like somehow sure, the sure. fact that they they they, they tend to like uh, they're the type of guys that would see the signs outside the airport that says severe tire damage ahead. Don't back over this strip and be like fuck it reverse. <laughs> you know they they kind of do that on this Some, show sometimes. Yeah. And like you and maybe it's like because they've heard like Vince Gilligan say, "Oh, I like to paint us into a quarter and not know how to get out," and then that's our challenge for next season. They're like, "Oh, fuck it." Right. You know, uh, we're going to do an extreme version of that, but they're just enough. Got that you, you, you fucking madmen aspect of their writing and the way they run the show that mm-hmm. that's the other thing meta that was going through my mind. Okay, I could see that. Uh, I, Is this I a definitely... discussion we should have in the spoiler section? Of BT dubs. I don't think so. Okay, because I, I at this point I don't think they're ever going to cut Rick's arm off. Or any no, I don't think they're going to cut an arm off. Period. Because like when they when they started to do Carl, it solidified it for me that they weren't going to cut his arm off. Because, right. uh, like you said, Kirkman views Carl as the main character. I think Chandler Riggs probably has a longer life on this show than Andrew Lincoln does. I think if if either of them are going to go, it's Andrew Lincoln first. Yeah, he's a way more expensive. Sure, and he's b older. Right, uh, and if he's not the main character of this story in the creator's eyes, why why would he? kill off what he views as the main character yeah but so then, then when they again, said cut off carl's arm i i heard that and i heard kirkman saying that he's the main character i heard kirkman saying i can't believe i cut rick's hand off because that was a big mistake right. there's no way they're going to cut the main character's hand off and you're and, right and in perpetuity going forward you you were he's right. going to be disfigured uh you were right but i i for 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 my Heart thought there's just enough of there them just being madmen that that might happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's possible because uh, I've definitely seen them make questionable decisions and with much for for much less payoff too. That's the thing. Like I've seen them do bit way bigger mistakes and missteps and handicaps than that with way less emotional devastation payoff too. <laughs> right, right. Um, do you think that I? I also kept couldn't help but think that maybe that was a, a glimmer of a chink in Negan's armor the fact that he did pull the Abraham uh you know the 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 Old Testament Abraham and 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 didn't make Rick go through it I don't know it's Is interesting that- because I think that gives Abraham leverage in the future because if he makes him cut Carl's wait, arm wait, off Negan yeah because you're now saying Abraham Abra- I said, said Abraham Ab- leverage. Yeah, you did. That gives Abraham a lot of le- no uh, Negan leverage in the future because. He but what's can, Isaac going to say? He he can always go back to that well, right? Like 
it yeah, might have like, driven Rick ma- over the edge. Making, he might have just sure, flipped. Making him confront the reality and knowing that there's nothing like I've still got my foot on your, your my boot on your throat, and this right. could happen at any time, and it can happen with Daryl, or yeah. I can happen with your son, or I can make I or worse yet, I can make your son cut pieces off of Daryl, or sure. Daryl cut pieces off your son. Yeah. Like I can do this at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're, it gives him a little taste of of what it could be to come if he doesn't listen. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. Whereas it might have just driven Rick right over the edge, and Rick jumps up, bites his throat out, and right. everyone's dead. Right? Yeah, <laughs> he point. just he just pulls uh, he just goes the the nuclear option at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Are we ready for feedback? Yes. So before we get to feedback, we have a new ex- sponsor to talk about that I am personally pretty excited for. Uh, it's a company called HelloFresh, and if you're not familiar with HelloFresh, uh, they're a company that wants to change the way that people eat forever basically by delivering uh, easy-to-cook, convenient meals uh, that are great tasting and nutritious to your door. Uh, keeps you from having to go out to the store, um, spend spending endless hours. Like It always takes me forever to prepare like a shopping list because I have to look up a recipe. I got to figure out, okay, there's... It's always for like 18 people or something that you're trying to cook. Like, oh, buy eight pounds of pork loin or something. And I'm like, well, how do I convert that to something I can eat uh, with me and my girlfriend? And it's like uh, an hour before I figured out what recipe I want to cook and how to cook it. And then I got to go to the store and shop. Well, HelloFresh makes it super easy because they box all that shit up in two-person or four-person meal plans. I think, I think when you said shit, you meant to say great tasting and, well, and nutritious food. It's, it's a colloquialism. <laughs> they're boxing that shit up, and they're sending <laughs> it to Shit can you. mean so many things. Right, directly <laughs> to your door. It's it's great shit, trust me. I, so they sent me three meals, and I've tried them all. Uh, they sent me a salmon meal, a salmon dish, a chicken dish, and a beef dish. It was a beef wellington? It was not beef wellington. Oh, Ramsey no. would be so disappointed. No, it was... Uh, it was some some kind of like I forget the exact name of the dish, but it was a a like steak on top of of salad mm. sort of thing. Uh, very fresh. Uh, like I was impressed with all the ingredients that came with it. Um, first of all, the recipes were really good. Like my favorite, I think, was probably the chicken dish, which was like chicken and farro and uh, mozzarella and like a lot of a lot of different kinds of spices. And they they correctly portion everything for you so it, it you don't have to like oh break open a package use a third of it and then throw the rest away in two weeks or let it sit and rot in your cabinets like i always do <laughs> uh which is really handy for me it's also very fresh like they just send you a live chicken yes they send you a live chicken <laughs> and no no it's also way more convenient than that they send you the dead chicken pre-skinned pre-defeathered uh and and it's you know they send you like greens that look better than half of the greens I've How seen in the do stores. That? Well, they do it all with like a a big box with a bunch of like ice packs in the bottom. Oh, so they actually packs. do. They got some kind of chilling device. Right, right. So they put like some styrofoam at the bottom of a box with ice packs under it, and it keeps everything cool while it sits at your door while you're at work or whatever, uh, and you come home and get it. And all of our stuff was super fresh and it was super tasty. So I, I was really happy with the service um i've I've tried other services that send you like pre-cooked meals to where you know it's it's already prepared for you and a it's not as satisfying because i kind of like to cook so if they can send me the ingredients and i can make something in 30 minutes or less uh that's always a bonus 
And also, this is way, way tastier because it's not preheated stuff. You're actually cooking it. Uh, Sounds they, like a good time for the old taste buds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that their slogan? Yeah. A good time I for the old taste buds. That's, that's for, that you can have that for free. Yeah. Uh, so they also have a, employed, a full-time employed dietitian on staff to make these things nutritionally balanced, uh, which is pretty awesome. I've always wanted one of those. Yeah, um, so it, right now we're actually doing a special offer with them. If you go to uh, HelloFresh.com, that's H-E-L-L-O-F-R-E-S-H.com, and you enter the promo code TWD, uh, you can save $35 off your first week of deliveries when you subscribe. And that's actually a pretty hefty discount, I think. So uh, go check it out, HelloFresh.com, use promo code TWD, and uh, enjoy some fresh and tasty food delivered right to your door. Treat for the old taste buds. Okay. We start off with Beverly B. She says, this show is definitely on probation, and it's not because they killed Glenn or Abraham or broke Rick, but because the entire episode appeared to be designed to torture the audience. A, by giving 20 minutes to merely catch up with where we were months ago. B, by consistently making us think someone was losing a hand. And C, by showing every single character get hit by a bat. The show has dealt with horror and cruelty for years, but this came across like they were being cruel to the audience. There's always been something vaguely unrespectable about watching this show. I'm a professional woman with children, for Pete's sake. If I forget and make a reference to The Walking Dead in the office, I have to face the Puritans who say they could never watch stuff, uh, this stuff, and I weakly try to explain that much of the violence is cartoonish and the love I have for the characters, and to be honest, this always felt weak. I didn't think I convinced anyone, but I didn't really care. I love the show, didn't care if other people didn't get it, but this, this was the first episode I was kind of embarrassed to have watched. Wow. So a lot of people are talking about, you know, just the extreme gore in this episode. Uh, I have I have a, a opinion of this that has been very long in the making. What, what do you think about, like, the level of gore that was in this episode? Uh, what's the emailer's name? Beverly B. Beverly B. Beverly, I think you've got some cognitive dissonance about your choices of entertainment that are causing you unneeded guilt and and, and, and fucking with your ability to enjoy it. Uh, that's just my personal opinion as someone who's had a lot of cognitive dissonance in my life. Uh <laughs> Uh, you know, fuck those people at your office. Like you don't <laughs> okay. have to, you don't have to define your enjoyment of something in in the terms of their inability to deal with 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 violence and adult and adult situations and stuff. Yeah. So like, if you're embarrassed because you like this, if you're embarrassed to, for watching this show for a variety of reasons, I mean that's your business and you're free to do it. But I would hate for your enjoyment to be shaped by the expectations and judgments of other people because, you know, there's no. There's no um, subjective reason to feel that way. Like, they don't have any moral superiority over you um, because, sure. you know, this is something. Because, you know, th- it, it'd be one thing, you know, and there's also there's, there's people that are watching this for the violence. They don't feel anything. It's just, you know, it's just an admiration of the special effects. And that's fine. You know, I mean, I watch no. it. And, I, and when they do stuff to me and it makes me feel something, I enjoy that. Like, I, there, I felt sick in this episode. I felt you know, devastated. And, and, you know, part of the reason I watch fiction is because I like to feel those things. Um, so yeah, I felt sick too, but I have a cold. So. <laughs> uh, what's your opinion? Uh, yeah, that's, that's largely, uh, con- Congress with my, uh, take on it. I, it, I have been a horror fan for a very long time mm-hmm. and horror is something, especially back in the day that 
a lot of people didn't take seriously. A lot of people thought was both ridiculous and schlocky and ultra violent and um, gratuitous and all those things. Uh, I have long since come to terms with the idea that people may hear that I love horror movies and bad horror movies at that and, you know, form an opinion of me. Don't care because I enjoy those things. Right. And if you think that this is out of line, um, you just you need to go look at more horror because this is not an especially gory episode. I mean, or of The Walking Dead it is, but not an especially gory horror episode. adaptation well there's other things like i like in the in the opening scenes of dawn the original dawn of the dead it it's a dude running into a building raiding a building and going insane and blowing people's heads off in the projects like just people's heads exploding in a shower of gore and blood like those are the kinds of things you're going to see in horror and if you enjoy those on any level this is not any worse than that well, I do think there's a difference between that, where is like, yes, that's a horrific scenario, but we don't feel one thing or another about the person pulling the trigger to people's heads exploding. Where, whereas Glenn is struggling to say with his last conscious moments one last reassuring thing to his wife, and a tragic right. thing—the fact that I'll always find you—that's always been true, and now it's not. Well, look like, at things like the fly. I mean, the like, fly is fucking horrifying in the same ways. But what I'm saying is, like, everyone's got to draw the line. Like, I don't like torture, what I call torture porn. I don't like hostile. I don't like the green fucking bush or whatever, the, the green inferno. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or I, I don't like that stuff that's just purely statistic. I don't think this passes that bar because I think uh, Negan is a far more interesting person and he's doing these things for a for a particular effect. It's not just uh, sadism for sadism's effect. But that's a purely mm-hmm. subjective. Right. It's a purely subjective like that opinion that I have. I'm not yeah. saying that you're a bad person if you like it. It's just like that's not my kind of fun, you know? And the people who can't distinguish between someone who enjoys watching this stuff in a fictional setting on a television screen and right. someone who would actually go out in real life and do this shit, right. they just – they aren't – their opinion isn't valuable. Right. Because there are certainly people who enjoy it, like myself, who would never do these things to real people. Right. And there's certainly people that are turned off by this that, if the chips are down, would be fucking jackbooted Nazis shoving people in the gas right. chambers and ovens. So, right. Beverly, I would say that, like, don't let others shape your opinions. If, if these, this is the opinion that you're having and it's a, your genuine critical, critical reaction, you should obviously, you know, listen to that. Um, yeah, if but you're if disgusted by it, you don't, you don't have to watch it. Come yeah. On. Um, but I would encourage you to make sure that that's your voice and not others, and also to right. not let you know not not do the same thing. Don't don't judge others because they do enjoy it. So, but yeah. All right, Dan from Philly says, "Well, they sucked me back in. Damn it! Six months later, a week of Walking Dead nonstop on AMC, all leading up to one hell of an episode. Dark, twisted. It was everything it always should have been. Was it ridiculous to have Daryl get Glenn killed?" Sure, but it worked, and everyone knew AMC wasn't killing off their moneymaker. And I, I bought it. I actually think that's a genuine reaction that Daryl would have. Yeah, yeah, he's an animal. He wouldn't be able to control himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate, I hated the cliffhanger, but the bastards made up for it. The scariest part of all of this is, to me, is there's 15 more to go, and where or how do they top this? So I, I'm trying to include like the gamut here. I want people who. Yeah, yeah, said totally. They loved it. People who said they hated it, and I and, and that's the thing. Like I've, I feel like I've been generous with my praise of this episode, and I'm genuine in that praise. I will say that if they don't fuck around, this could be a very memorable stretch of 16 episodes, right? 
if they do fuck around, then it can be another hit and miss, up and down, uneven season, and we will yeah. see what they do. Like, are they going to have episode Sasha and Maggie walk if, to the hilltop? If, if they, yes, if if they tell this, if they tell this Negan plot full throttle and they don't stop and they don't have diversions, they don't, you know, don't they're going to do this very special episode of Negan as a child for four episodes. <laughs> Or if you know uh, uh, Morgan and Carol don't traipse through the woods, well, debating that's morality. The big problem. Yeah. Uh, also, how does this change? Because you know, how does this change Carol? You know, Carol's a one man army. Like if Rick unleashes right. her, oh, she's just gonna Tasmanian like, devil. Like she's gonna Negan's. be Achilles. You know, well, or... she's out on her own. I mean, Morgan and and her just—I don't know what the hell they're doing, but they're not in Alexandria anymore. Sure. So. Yeah, he'd have to find her. Uh, yeah, like I said, this this could be this could be an, a, an all time classic season. This could be the exact kind of season the AMs, that that the Walking Dead needs. That 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 Scott Gimple can announce that I am here and I'm taking this thing to where its rightful place in the TV pantheon is going to be. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, or it could be more of the same. Yep. So, uh, it's both of those possibilities are all as always on the table to show. Well, we heard the good. Let's hear the bad. Mitch from South Carolina says, what a bummer. What a wasted opportunity. Can you imagine last season's finale if they just showed the deaths and started with the grief to begin the season? Amazing acting, amazing shots, hell, even direction. No complaints about the actual deaths. Just ruined by Gimple Kirkman. Don't even get me started on the torture porn with the axe and all the disrespectful trolling of the comic fans. I'm out. Thanks, Thank God for Westworld. <laughs> so a lot of people, you know, both on the internet and in our feedback, proclaiming they're out. They're done with the the show. Wow, I you know it's interesting because I don't you know I ever since I've turned this mailbag over to you, it's been nice because my opinion, um, I I don't know what other people are going to say. I right. I would have guessed that the by far majority reaction was going to be I'm reinvested. Yes, it's a bummer. Yes, you know they should have done things this way. They should have done things that way. But I feel like I am kind of you know this is why I watch The Walking Dead. And this is kind of like the best, the 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 best of, of the Walking Dead can be. And of course, you know, it's directed by Greg Nicotero and written by the, the Gimple. This is the, yeah. the 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 giants of of the field. I um, was skeptical that Nicotero actually directed this one when I saw that Dawn was breaking. <laughs> I thought maybe he would just skip. That's that, where the but... fog came from. It rained. Dawn broke. The sun <laughs> heated up the ground. The sun went back. You know, it was a reversed orbit. Um, yeah, I. Uh, but but. Um, so, so, I think a lot so of, what? What's your, so? Give me a breakdown percentage-wise, fan reaction, just judging by our mailbag. Uh, it was pretty split, I'd say. Um, I, I thought it was Are, maybe sixty forty positive, but really, but a, I think a lot of people made up their mind last season, and they were wanting, they were kind of watching this episode, arms crossed, like win me back over. Right. I'm actually, more and nothing so, would have done that for them. Yeah, I mean, people say that all the time, but I'm always, I'm always interested in, like, you know, whether they really mean that because. Well, there are some people who probably thought that and said that, and then they'll continue to watch anyway. Ah, uh, uh, that's. Like, I guess that's fair too. I view their, I, I view the audience as very fragmented, uh, and every time they break off a fragment, they lose mm-hmm. audience share mm-hmm. on this show. And also, maybe we're representing because, like, I guess I've had a break with this show before. Where like yeah. I just can't take it that serious anymore, right? And they need like they need a full sixteen episode of like balls to the wall execution at a very high level to get me back to where I could be disappointed. But so maybe some of these people are just like they've been hanging on, and that this is now the breaking point, and they're still going to keep watching the show, but maybe more like we do. I, I don't know. Yeah, because be. it's confusing to me like why this would be the one. 
of all the missteps, like why is this the one that uh, that, that man? I just felt like they got it, gave us a lot of red meat. Yeah, literally. Yeah, <laughs> lots I mean, lots of red twitching, gross uh, piles of meat. Yeah. David says, though I'm impressed, the uh, show finally killed someone of real importance. And he says he was yelling at his screen for only killing Abraham, and then they got him good. Uh, My question is more about the universe as a whole. In this episode, we had a massive group of people screaming, crying, talking, guts being splattered all over the ground, and not a single walker attacked this buffet of flesh flesh and brains. We also had them drive an RV into the middle of a horde of walkers with zero issues. I'm in the middle of rewatching from the start, and it is clear the walkers have become increasingly weaker. In the first season, walkers not only run and run fast, but they attempt to turn doorknobs and even use rocks to break glass doors. I know in later seasons, cars, trucks have broken down by just running over too many walkers as well. So my question is, why did the walkers become so pathetic? Is this the show's way of telling the audience that the walkers were actually fading away or that they, the longer they stay dead, the more human traits they forget? Or am I giving their show too much credit? This is a show. This is a perennial question, right? So I think this. I think the. I think it's both. I think number one, the, all those rules in the first season were Darabont things, and yeah. they had like the zombie bible, and they intended to kind of like stick to that, and then I got that zombie bible got thrown out with Darabont. Yep. Clean out your fucking office and take that fucking bible with you. Um, on the other hand, I do think this is is something in the comics too. That yes, these zombies, why they're they're rotting, is slowed and 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 you know retarded from the fact that they've got whatever it is virus. It's not as aggressive as you would expect the decomposing corpse to be. Right, three years in the you know heat of Georgia or whatever, the swamp like conditions of DC. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still taking its toll, and the zombies are increasingly not the threat that they right. used to be. Yeah, so I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Mark C says, sorry, I'm going to be that guy. They should have totally ended season six at Suck My Nuts. It would have been <laughs> given us a false sense of security and would have given more of a punch to Glenn's death. Mm. Uh, so he's basically saying, kill Abraham in the finale, kill Glenn in the premiere. Well, so that's that's interesting because, I mean, I think optimally they should have just ended with this episode and maybe shorten up a lot of the, the Morgan crap that they were pulling. Right. Um but that would have been interesting because if they they'd ended on Abraham's death, we wouldn't have had the meta discussion of oh my god they they're dicking around with us and they're stretching things out and then yeah. it could have opened with Glenn's death and we would have got kind of almost the best of both worlds. Like I I don't know because that certainly no one would be looking for another death, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know if that'd work. Like I said, in, in a perfect world, we would have ended at the end of this episode, and then next, then everybody's jazzed about because that's the real mystery: is how is Rick going to overcome this? Is Rick going to overcome this? Yeah, um, and not just Rick. This is no longer just Rick's problem. This is affecting a lot of people. Uh, one last point from Mark C he says: also, poor Enid is still trapped in the closet. <laughs> Six months later. Well, also, what is Tara going to do when she gets back? Oh, my God. Right. I forgot Denise is dead and she doesn't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that time in Community when Donald Glover went to go get pizza and he comes back and his apartment's on fire. Like, it's that <laughs> gif, you know? That's pretty, yeah. Uh, that's going to be a hell of a shoe to drop. There's like four or five shoes that's dropped and people don't have that many feet. So. Yeah, because, I mean, she had an attachment to Glenn. Glenn's the one that brought her in, right? Yeah. To this group and said, hey, we we accept you. Even though you were part of the governor's crew, we're going to take you in. Yeah. 
So she's got the double whammy coming when she gets back. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, ben from London, Ontario, not UK. Right. Uh, says, I actually thought it was a good episode. A little stalling at first, that's to be expected, but in the end they did a really good job setting Negan up as someone to be feared. I thought one of one of either Carl or Rick was losing their arm for sure. Here's the problem with the show, and they've done this for the last two, possibly three finales and mid-season finales. They're always one episode off. The episode ones and nines are always phenomenal, and then they're downhill from there showing the fallout. The ones should be 16s and the nines should be 8s. End of the ends the season off with a bang and then build it back up for a finale. Not I, sure why they're not doing this. They're like the reverse Game of Thrones. Yeah, right now. yeah, that's actually a really good point, and that's a great way uh, to articulate it. I yeah, just shift everything one episode, right? Right, and also, also, I think you know they're letting we're letting them off easy too because the level of intensity throughout the the mid part of the season should be there should be a constantly ratcheting up tension. It shouldn't all just be bang finales, bang finales. It should always right. be ideally you know something that really grips you and hooks you and some mystery and some character moments and some intrigue and some action that slowly keeps increasing and increasing until you hit these resolutions of the the finales um yeah but yeah like everybody needs to take a page out of breaking bad's book it's pedal to the metal it's constant build up to a season finale that blows your mind I mean, it's not constant. I remember podcasts, and there was be two or three episode stretches where there was lulls to build that tension. Right, but I'm but, also not. But that's gonna... also like sur- servicing characters and getting them into the place where sure. they need to be for that final moment. Right? Yes, yes. It's not like they're out in the woods just uh, rehashing things that they've talked about for three seasons in a row now. Right. So, I don't know. Cheryl from Steeler Nation. I don't know what Steeler Nation is, but whatever uh it's pittsburgh but it's it's a fundamental misunderstanding of the difference between a nation and a metropolitan area okay uh (laughs) hey guys i'll keep this short since you probably get a metric ton of metric ass ton of feedback for the season premiere have a question for you never mind the fact that we're talking about a show where people are constantly getting ripped apart and eaten alive by zombies kids are murdering kids and a man is forced to watch cannibals eat his leg but a bat to the head is too much what do you think of all the people who are rage quitting over the violent content of the first episode I think this is a slightly different question from before in that, I mean, I, 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 I can't throw too many stones because I live in a glass house, which was the Americans. Like, right. uh, I had seen a whole bunch of ethically and morally questionable shit, and a guy seducing a 13-year-old is where I tapped out. Now, And never me, fucking that 13-year-old, might I add. Well, I mean, but the, just I, dangling, it's kind of like, you know, them... Dangling the possibility that he might fuck a thirteen-year-old is gross to me. Haven't they done that in The Walking Dead? Didn't somebody threaten to fuck Carl? It wasn't the yeah. hero. It wasn't the hero. It wasn't it wasn't Daryl debating no. whether it was a good idea or whether he should do it for the good of the, <laughs> well, the team. We're not sure he hasn't debated that. So, Let's so not like, jump it, to so, so I'm saying, I'm not defending that because this is right, not right. you know, and, yeah. and people that watched Americans weren't monsters and weren't child predators or weren't being. I mean, I'm, I'm right. not trying to say that. Um, on the other hand, like, so that was a difference of kind. Mm-hmm. You know, like Philip seducing, you know, Swedish ambassadors was different than him seducing with the aid of drugs uh, a thirteen-year-old uh, a, a girl. Um, sure, with the with the aid of music, by the way. I thought it was dry. That didn't he get her high too? Well, he did it mostly with music. I don't know. Just a guy showing up with uh, some some uh, fucking Miller High Life and a blunt. And I think, I think it was White Lines Floyd. that sealed the deal. I really do. <laughs> 
Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I think that was a difference of kind, not degree. This seems like a difference of degree. Like, we did see guys get their heads bashed in with bats and slit their throats like cattle. Um, and I also, but I also think that people also like to rationalize their decisions. Like, I don't think any person that didn't have their foot already out of the door on this show would, would say that. Um, I okay. mean, not, I mean, the human condition's vast. There's probably some people, but <laughs> right. I think a lot of this is just people wanting, wanting an excuse to quit the, the weekly ritual of watching the show. They're invested. They spend a lot of time. They don't want to feel like this is some arbitrary knee jerk reaction. Um, and it probably is. So they're like, well, this is just a shocking level of violence that I wasn't prepared to watch. But, and there are probably some people who legitimately like this was the line for them. Yeah. And that's fine too, you know. You know what the line AMC found is that they wouldn't cross? What? The line was on Carl's arm. Oh god. <laughs> They'll yeah. go right up to it, but they won't cross that line with an axe. There's there's a really great Duran Duran joke in here somewhere. Call back, but I can't find it. Okay. I can't find it. I so we're going help on you. to Shelby who says, "So now that we know that it is Abraham that got the the bat first two things if the point of view in the finale was abraham then why don't we hear him tell negan to suck his balls in the the finale <laughs> damn good question it's because they played fast and loose and they were trying to trick us i don't think they had i i don't think they decided there was some right. kind of a private amc had to sign off and triplicate on whoever they killed and that that they didn't have that done right uh, okay, second question. What was with the continuous point of view in the van in the finale when Abraham was never actually in the van? Why would you spend a whole episode insinuating that a person in the van gets the bat when bat first when they clearly don't? Wait, why? I, I guess I don't. I, that was a I, theory that I never really signed off on. Okay, I, I was going to see if you how much you remembered about this because I vaguely remember people talking about the POV in the van. I do too, um, and I thought I remember saying that I don't really agree with that. Right. And, and I, I thought that's that's dumb. I mean, you know, some of these things are like they. Every once in a while, this show tries to play the big boy camera tricks and POVs that it's not quite ready for, and I think that might have been one of the cases. But I, yeah, I, I never found that very persuasive. Okay. Uh, Phil in Indy says, "Who says he should have just watched Westworld instead?" Uh, as a casual viewer who didn't rewatch any of the episodes leading up to the premiere, I felt like there was a real lack of buildup and impact to the deaths of Glenn and Abraham. I'm I'm right there with you, Phil and Indy. Uh, they didn't hit me the way I think they would have in the finale. Uh, the episode throws me right into what is supposed to be one of the biggest moments of the series, but after several months of, of off and on interaction between these characters and their loved ones before they go, I'm not feeling the weight of the moment like I should. It's like I forget why I should care. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I cannot argue with that. That's they a, did the best they could coming back, like building it up. I thought they almost pulled it off for me, just maybe slightly damper than it would have been had it happened last season. And I don't know, maybe I found it easier to put myself in the point of view of uh, someone who's seeing a loved one just be horrifically mangled and like kind of like the the weird courage that both Abraham and Glenn showed in their final moments. Um uh, and just how, like, what a horrible mockery it was. Like, Glenn trying to do this this heroic, noble thing and touching thing for his wife and with his eye bulging out and his skull fractured. Like, Yeah, it's just, just don't bother, man. You're just scarring her more. But but yeah, that's that's, <laughs> but that's part of the tragedy. I mean, it's just, I know. just horrible. It's horrific in every time. And I guess that's kind of why I like to watch The Walking Dead. It's uh, right. its best it makes us confront that thing. And, and somehow, at the end of the day, the good, pe- the good guys should win. They should find a way to win. And... 
and um so yeah like i i don't know why it worked for me and i'm not starting to feel like i'm doing a bad job of being the curmudgeon that i'm supposed to be for this show <laughs> like i'm not giving like i'm going well, to once again br- rope it up the audience like you're not going to get what you want from me it's um, that break you had right that we talked about you know i mean we're not we're not taking the show quite as seriously because it has shown us that it doesn't want to be taken quite that seriously and so we give it a little more latitude we don't we don't feel like we're we're going to be as critical of it because it's not what it's for right or at least i feel that way like i i just more enjoy it for the sake of watching it and it's you know it's well within my my genres that i like right so for me it's it still hits most of the time and you know i'll keep watching well, it. that's the thing like i guess i haven't Maybe that's the difference is that I have I, – I laugh and enjoy the show when it falls on its face, but it also can surprise me. It's like a toddler. Right. Okay. You know, every once in a while yeah. it'll trip and fall and sometimes it cry, you know, they cry and like, oh, that's okay, buddy. Pick yourself back up. And then every once in a while they'll say you – know, they'll give you a hug and make you feel good right. uh, or totally surprise you at what they say. But yeah, Ames, the Walking Dead is like a two-year-old toddler yeah. uh, <laughs> at this point. Jeremy L. from Pennsylvania says, Hey guys, if you remember a while back, Robert Kirkman was on Chris Hardwick's talk show and basically flat out said that Glenn would not be killed by the bat. Clearly this is not the case. In retrospect, how does this make you guys feel about the show or Kirkman himself? This is a good time to talk about Kirkman's trolling. Uh, Yeah, we've talked about this many, many times. Like What Kirkman does with his audience in the mailbag and on interviews, I find unconscionable and i could never ever ever do it for people that have you know given me millions upon millions of dollars in such a high profile like it's not it's definitely my character to troll and to play to be a practical jokester but it's also i guess i have too much feeling of gratitude to it's a it's sometimes funny to think about but something you don't actually do right the fact that he does i find kind of horrifying and like that's a reason to stop watching the show and stop giving him money right there yeah, I have long since stopped listening to what Kirkman says about anything because right. uh, he, you know, I, I take him seriously, I guess, back in the day when he said the biggest mistake he made was to cut off Rick's hand. But as of late, I've been, it's it's the game of fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, a hundred times, whatever. Can't get fooled again. I also think it's a way to give the fans what they say they want, but also give the fans what they probably need. Like, mm-hmm. they want people to give them answers, and they don't expect to get straightforward answers. So he gives them what seems like a straightforward answer and, and spoil Like, you know, it's like, that's always dumb. Like, you know, uh, yeah. freak, you get these stars on television shows, and the hosts always get this impish look on their face. Like, oh, can you tell us what happens next? Like, just once I would love for Kit Harrington to be like, uh, fucking yeah, Daenerys actually wins. She sits on the the Iron <laughs> Throne, well, like, and just a hush fall over the crowd, yeah. and everybody gets super bummed out. It's like, well, that's what you wanted, isn't it? Right. And there's a little bit about that that I kind of admire that he's doing this, throwing. It, it's like this flack. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you know, uh, it's it's like shooting flares and bits of tinfoil at your ass to throw off a homing missile. Right. Like he's putting so much bullshit out there that how do you know what's real and what's not? Having said that, this is the reason that I pay more attention to the fan communities and stuff and and the actual like independent spoilers that come out than what any actor or producer or director has to say about the show unless I feel like they're being honest to me because none of it, it, it's all a smokescreen to some degree. Yeah. I mean, until you get past an episode, something has been aired 
and people are talking about it in retrospect, they're never going to be able to be honest with you. And so it's pointless to listen to any of this. I don't watch The Talking Dead anymore. I don't I don't I read wish, AMC's newsletters that I get sent. I, don't, I wish I had watched The Talking Dead last night because it sounded like I mean, I'm, I'm going to try to find a, uh, some way to watch it because it did seem they had like the damn, whole damn cast on. And everyone's talking about it like it was a lot of fun. Hmm, Not okay. because I give a shit about what they're going to have to say, but just I, I kind of get a kick out of like how they interact with each other. Right. Right. But yeah, no, I totally agree. Like. But the fans are out there speculating and pulling pieces out of the episode, like conclusive proofs of things, and then you get spoilers leaked, and those are the things I pay attention like, to. Like, I don't even like watching the next week's on, because I've just learned they from years of doing this, is that their job is not to inform you, their job is to keep is to treat you like a mushroom, to keep you in the right. dark and feed you a lot of beat bullshit, right. and keep you addicted to this information and be constantly thinking about the show. Yeah, I already Not constantly interested. think about the show for for without their their involvement and their misdirection. Yeah. All right. Olivia says I'm one of the fans who was disappointed with the finale and I felt cheated on an emotional character death by AMC with their social media hashtag Who is it and how they exclaimed how great it would be to discuss it over the break. I felt like last night's premiere. And no one did. <laughs> I, I I'm subscribed to all the forums and no that was not like they did bi- for like two days. It's just, it was, yeah. but, but it was mostly bitching about how stupid it was and how transparent the right. manipulation is. So fucking mission accomplished. Uh, I felt like last night's premiere was all shock value and it failed. As a comic oh, reader, I remember reading issue 100, experiencing Lucille beating panel by panel. I was nervous and uneasy as we went to each character, realizing we were about to lose a great character. When Negan landed on Glenn, it wrecked my shit. I cried. I had to stop reading when Glenn tried to say Maggie while Negan taunted him about his eye being popped out, being gross as shit. I was overwhelmed with the idea of a pregnant woman watching her husband call out uh, to her one last time as he was dying. Last night, I didn't feel that way at all, which is saying something since I'm 37 weeks pregnant and will cry at almost anything these days. Holy moly. I cried an hour prior to the episode because my husband hung up our son's mobile in his crib. <laughs> I cried the other week watching the new Jungle Book movie. Aaron, more emotional than a 37-year-old pregnant woman. <laughs> like, what's when, wrong with me? When Abe took his first hit and told Negan to suck my nuts, I laughed like I'm sure most did. Then nothing. I didn't cry, nor was I saddened by his death or Sasha's or Rosita's loss. I knew AMC blew it with me when Glenn was beaten to death, and they kept showing Daryl's reaction more than Maggie. That was the perfect demographic for his death, a pregnant wife, to really affect emotionally, and they failed. All I could focus on them is showing Daryl, and I knew they dropped the ball. I have this feeling we're going to spend more time on Daryl's man pain and guilt over his actions than Maggie's loss of her husband and father of her child. While I'm intrigued by the possible exploration of this, um, or of how this will affect Maggie and Daryl's relationship in the future. So what do you think about that? Is there any chance that Maggie's grief might get lost in the Daryl fallout? Of course. Um, ideally, they should do justice to both. Um, yeah. But I've seen it happen before where, you know, Maggie's grief over her sister was completely overshadowed about whatever up their ass thing that she had with Glenn and... And um, Daryl. And Daryl's, you know, as yeah, he says... Yeah, Daryl's a constant spotlight stealer. Right. Um, I'm just honestly, I'm just really bummed out that a that they fucked this up so bad that so many people can't enjoy it. Right? It's so sad to me, and it's so such a waste. Of and potential. it was such an easy thing to get right. Yep, such an easy thing. Yep, and the fact that they and sat they, and like I don't know what this is. That's the thing I'll never know whether this was something the AMC demanded and interfered with, or this is something in the writers' room. They're like, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. But like, just the fact that you know. 
nobody brought up the like, oh man, like like think about like what if we did it this way though? Like think about the genuine emotion, like and and like the you're talking about if it works, getting the cheap heat versus actually tugging on people's heartstrings and making them feel right. devastated, and like which is better? And I'm just oh man, I'm I'm really bummed that. Uh, this is actually worse than I was expecting. Well, this this cliffhanger brings up kind of a problem in general, I, th- I feel, with cliffhangers, is that cliffhangers are only ever designed to bring your current audience back. Uh-huh. And that's a very strange thing to me when a show ostensibly wants to keep growing, right? If you can get people to say, oh, my God, last season of that show was so good. Or so nuts. Or, or so, so devastating that they're going to tell their friends about it and say, "You got it. You got to check this out." Nobody can go to their friends and say they they've got a real big question at the end: who's going to die? Because they don't care about. Yeah, those is it going to be Abraham or Glenn? They're like, who? They're, yeah, they don't know. That's that, only ever designed to bring current viewers back, not grow your audience. And I don't get it. Nope. I always said that like cliffhangers are the cheap heat, and also um, there's effective cliffhangers and ineffective cliffhangers, and that finale last year. Uh, or this earlier this year failed on both counts, but yeah. man, like I said, I I really underestimated how <laughs> how bad it would be because I uh, me sitting in my living room did yeah. it, it did get me, and I thought there'd be a lot of like oh Walking Dead's earned another pass, but whew. all right, Barry C from the UK says surely Rick saying I'm not going to kill you. It, it's easy to lose this fact in the episode because of the time jumps, but. He says, surely Rick saying, I'm going to kill you right after what happened when Daryl stepped out of line is the stupidest and most negligent thing he has done as a leader, yeah? He was lucky Negan thought it was so pathetic under the circumstances he didn't have to kill anyone else. So, I mean, Daryl jumps up and, yeah, well, he slugs Negan, but Rick tells him, I'm going to kill you. I mean, well, does that he was make the- good on the on the threat that he made? If anybody steps out of line, I'm going to ki- keep killing um. Well, I mean, for one thing, this was past like that. Everybody already beat to death, and he got right in his face and was like looking for a reaction. But I don't know. Like to me, this email to me, this is like pretending like the episode didn't happen because the whole episode is precisely about how Negan was going to break Rick and how he's going to cow- make him kowtow and and eventually do it. And if you know, so right? It's but like, if you're Rick in that moment. And you don't have the benefit of foresight into this episode. You've got to take Negan seriously, and if you step out of line, he's going to keep killing people. Do you think that Negan is right in a psychological analysis of Rick? It doesn't matter because Rick needs Rick is the question here, right? Like, but I'm what's saying going if, through Rick's head. If if Rick is is kind of in, I think that some of what Negan said about Rick being intoxicated with power and being addicted to the alpha dog. Uh, persona and all that stuff is was was pretty true mm-hmm. so i think negan beating rick down and and or, or rick stepping back up to negan and saying that this isn't over um i don't know maybe he was trying to call negan's bluff maybe he wasn't thinking i felt like it was within rick's character to still cling to this bravado that's worked so well for him and this f- f- uh yeah, this, this I, unshakable I feeling that they that they they can't lose so like i guess I don't know. It never even occurred to me to criticize the fact that Rick would come and say, I want to kill you. Because also he's counting like... No, I... Right, but it but it feels like a mistake. As someone who just of course. killed more people of for, course. for someone stepping out of line, just did exactly what he said he was going to do, Rick is risking hap- having that happen again by stepping out of line once again. 
Yeah, I mean, yes, it is a mistake, but I also think it's a mistake within Rick's character, I guess. Certainly, yeah. Like, this, like that's some thing. Like, I guess uh, yeah, I, I, I harp on people making a lot of char- mistakes and whatnot, but, like, there's out-of-character mistakes and there's in-character mistakes. Okay. Like, Walter White continuing to cook meth right. after he had um, $100 million in a storage shed was a stupid mistake. Right. And, he, like, you know, not justifiable, but it's also well within his character, so... Mm-hmm. All right, Jeremy from Abu Dhabi says, uh, "Love your podcast. Continue to listen weekly. I am, however, I am done watching The Walking Dead. Season seven premiere was disgusting and shameful and unequivocally horrible writing. Wow! Uh, it seemed the producers were trying to make up for four seasons of garbage script writing by giving fans the biggest oh shit moment they could create. It I think that's awful. accurate. I think that's accurate. I don't know why you describe it as awful though. Like, were they supposed to just be like, well, we'll just can, we'll just shit to bed." You guys are expecting us to shit the bed, so we'll just shit the bed. <laughs> right. Like, damned, talking about damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. Is this what you want? Right. Point to it. Right. Like a, like a football team's down 40 to, 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 to nothing in the, in the fourth quarter. Like, do you take the snap or you just piss on the ball? Yeah. No one's expecting them to piss on the ball. I mean, like, you know, like maybe it's futile, but don't you want them to hike the ball? And uh, I don't know. Yeah. That was probably the... I, I guess most upset email I got. Uh, uh, just giving you the extremes. Joe from New York. The point is moot for now as he's locked up like a caged animal. Daryl is absolutely the reason for Glenn's death. We talked a little bit about this. Uh-huh. Uh, his recklessness has become a huge liability for the entire group. It was Daryl running off into the woods alone, the same woods where he last saw a dozen armed, a half dozen armed saviors that got Glenn, Michonne, and Rosita captured and put in that lineup. His asinine defiance in front of Negan and Lucille was really just Glenn's killing blow. You can like the character and his badassness, but you cannot defend or you cannot deny the show is using his stupidity to move the plot. He acts selfishly and has thus far faced no tangible consequences except for blame, and fans want to absolve him of even that. But this will be but, interesting to see how and if this massive karmic buildup is paid off at Negan's compound. I'm not absolving. Yes, yes. That last part I fully agree. That I'm not absolving Daryl of shit. I'm just saying yeah, that like we've had seasons of them pulling their ass out of fire by ripping throats out with teeth and biting nuts with teeth and uh-huh. doing all this other improbable stuff and still winning because that's what they do. You know, like yep. they're getting punished for doing for for using a successful playbook, mm-hmm. um, and that's true. That's this is the plot. You are fully appreciating the plot. This is actually, for once, The Walking Dead is actually... That's the thing I think is funny is that people are, like, accusing them of, of you know, doing these stupid things. But at least this is the one time that I feel like it's actually part of the plot. And I don't know. Maybe because I've certainly had this ac- accusation lobbied against me the other direction. And I've always, I've said, and middle fingers to the to to the the differing opinion so maybe this is my comeuppance but i feel like this is the one thing where like all of this stupidity is actually intentional and you're supposed to think like what a greek tragedy this all is that rick has finally run to the end of his rope and what is he going to do yeah and that's it goes for daryl i mean down the line maggie all that you know there's going to be a lot of recrimination and a lot of this was your fault and this is my fault and how you know like buckle up Buckle up, because that's what's coming. Yep. So Nathan P., final email, um, has a couple things to say. So first of all, you guys probably need a new iTunes podcast logo, because I doubt Rick and Carl are dying before the end of the show. You should <laughs> make it a contest or something. Uh, so if people don't know, what we do with our show logo is every time 
one of the original cast members from some promo shot that I pulled back in season one dies, we we gray them out in the logo mm-hmm. so that only the characters who are still living are in color. Uh, as of this episode, that consists only of Rick and Carl. Carol's not in that? No. Okay. Everyone else in that picture is dead. All right. Uh, so I did go ahead and modify the logo. So oh, you nice. are seeing the new logo with Glenn grayed out. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a while, I think. And it had been a few seasons before I, since I had to uh, gray anybody else out, but right. it'll be a long time before right. I gray do, so one of the two. So I guess we didn't have discussed this yet. Do we, and this is the final email, so it's time to do it. Don't they get any credit for killing some OG cast and some fairly important, like two of them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it sucks because the dumpster fire Glenn stuff, mm-hmm. in some ways spoiled this in some ways you know i i think it was lessened by having that uh that really just big fiasco yeah but i don't know i mean it still works it's still powerful you well, still but want glenn like, around i i felt like that i always i always think that i'm going to be the toughest audience in the room mm-hmm. but clearly i'm not i'm a softy compared to a lot of these people writing in and that's kind of shocking to me that i'm right. not the 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 most difficult to please uh, fan in the room. Um, maybe that's well, the new we do, normal now. I feel like a lot of our podcasts have selected the audience that maybe wants to pick on the show a little bit uh-huh. more than the average fan. Uh-huh. So maybe we're we're seeing a biased sampling hmm. of of Walking Dead fans. Hmm. I'm sure there are many many people out there who oh yeah like, appreciated like, this much more than our particular. But it does fans seem did. like the our like uh. Back when I was doing feedback, anyway, that like so, well, that's not even true. Um, by the end of last season, I felt like our takes and like what Reddit was thinking and like what the forums were thinking and some of the other show communities were thinking were kind of one to one. And like that, the big mishandling of the dumpster, the dumpster fiasco, and the thing had kind of all bright. We are all kind of like. Uh, hate watching The Walking Dead because um, I when I got and I read because like, you know I'm not reading the feedback now because you're doing that but when I was reading Reddit like it seemed like near universal acclaim with the asterisks of everyone saying as good as this was it would have been that much better had they not fucked up the end of last season right and to hear people not even like even giving them that much credit I, I guess is kind of uh, surprising to me okay but and also it's like I maybe they're just um. I don't know because like if they you know if next week this is going to be a two episode arc of 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 or um Carol and Morgan walking through the woods and like yeah. that stuff needs to happen but like if it's just all about that and we go away from this reaction I'm going to be right back to like oh my god they're back to squandering opportunities so right yeah maybe I'm being I don't know. I just felt like I maybe I was more willing to be pleased because I was afraid to just go in with a totally negative reaction. But man, I feel like I'm really out of touch with what people are thinking <laughs> after this feedback session. Well, I mean, Nathan didn't even like uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's monologuing. So really, yeah, he might have mm. been impossible to please. Uh, he says we've waited this long for Negan to show up, and now we just want him to shut up. I don't know if I agree with that. I think Jeffrey Dean uh, yeah, Morgan was the best part of the episode. I thought he's magnetic. Yeah. Uh, he's terrifying and yet somehow cool. And... Here's some good stuff, and I feel like this is universally praised, uh, uh, praised section of the episode. He says, that, that said, I felt more attached to Carl's arm than with either of their deaths. That was tense, if not slightly redundant. 
I would have thought Rick might have felt a little broken after losing his best friend in Moral Compass, but alas, it's due to his son that he submits. I think I was even more attached to Carl's arm than Carl was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. That was the most, by far, the most effective part of this episode. Also, Carl, conti- Carl continuing to be a badass. Like, do it, Dad. Right. Like he was ready. Right. He, he understands the situation it. they're in. Yep, he was ready to be salamified. Yeah. Uh, so a, a couple of comments on the the two deaths. R.I.P. Abraham, I guess. Even though in total he's only scared his family to their deaths using a can of beans, rescued Eugene, a shitbird, helped Glenn find Maggie, even though he didn't want to, dumped Rosita in the worst way possible, flirted with Sasha right in front of Rosita and said a few lines and done a few crazy stunts. You will not be missed. R.I.P. Glenn, who has, and I shortened this list, it's still pretty long, admittedly saved Rick, so that's a plus, mm-hmm. uh, fell in love with Maggie and become useless both with and without her, agreed to being used as well bait, got captured alongside Maggie, needing rescuing from the governor, abandoned everyone for revenge right before the prison was attacked for the first time around, talked about abandoning everyone in early season four just for Maggie, that includes abandoning Rick, who helped him on multiple occasions. Got sick and once again had his life in danger. Abandoned the death bus. Led a fist bumper into the group. Walked. <laughs> That's in. the yeah. There's lots of lots the of true horror. A lot of really horrific crimes. The well well bait. Yeah, uh, being chief among them. Walked into a walker infested tunnel because Maggie <laughs> led his team right into Cannibal City. Took shitbird Nicholas under his wing. Dumpster gate. Uh, Went off on the Get Daryl Back group, despite knowingly leaving his pregnant wife back at home, get, got captured by the Saviors, and also getting Maggie knocked up and deciding to start a family while there is still danger in every direction. Glenn, you will not be missed. <laughs> so, Nathan, yeah, pretty it, laying down some harsh truths on both Abraham and Glenn. Mm, I feel like he might, his, his selection of events might be a little biased toward... Uh, throw in shade but i like it yeah and that's the thing like you know uh what i said up front is like i imagine like if if this was season six and they were doing this and not season seven because i feel like there's about a year maybe year and a half's worth of just bullshit oh a year of prison for sure uh yeah um and like if we'd have been gotten there a little bit quicker and if there hadn't mm-hmm. been so many missteps and so many fan jerk moments um boy man this show could have been so good so good and the fact that it's still capable of at least moving this this viewer mm-hmm. um is still kind of incredible i think all right well that's it uh if you want to I have some spoil i have some some spoiler things i want to talk about do we have any spoiler okay. emails yeah we got we got one spoiler email i okay. could do okay uh if you want to get in touch with us and send your feedback in you can do so at walking dead or watching dead at baldmove.com either one also if you're bailing on the show uh join us on we're, we're join us on westworld we're, we're doing a, a podcast right. called watching westworld you can find it on itunes and uh on uh baldmove.com and it's an awesome show. It's great. Yeah, it's great. So uh, unequivocal recommendation. If you're if you're about to bail and you want something to watch on Sunday nights, join us on watching Westworld. Yep. Or you can go to the forums and talk to us at forums.ballmove.com. Uh, we're gonna do some spoilers, but we're gonna play a little music first. So. Also, the other thing is we will be back to our full schedule next week. Yeah. We will be doing a live watch on Sunday night. Um, I'm kind of glad we didn't do this one because it would have been a tough one to like crack jokes on and <laughs> right. at least for me 
at least for me. Uh-huh. Uh, next week we'll be back. We'll we'll be back for our live watch. So at nine o'clock Eastern time, we will be simultaneously uh, watching the show, and you can use our. Uh, it's hard to explain uh, live watch technology if you're a Club Bald Move member to to watch along with us. And it's kind of like, imagine it's like a live Mr. Science Theater 3000. Right. And you won't go too far wrong. All right. Well, join us for that stuff. If you want spoilers, stay till after the music. If not, we will see you next week. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you. back with the spoiler section you got a couple things you want to talk about first yeah so rick saying i'm going to kill you i know that the one of the the last emailers really kind of shit on that but i think that that is crucial to committing to the arc that eventually happens after all-out war and negan is captured uh rick decides not to kill him but actually does the morgan-esque you know make him a prisoner um Uh, okay and that is a huge uh, swing in his character arc, which I think is important. Um, and also it sets up a lot of other really creepy uh, possibilities with... Um, and I, I wonder also, too, because one of the cornerstones of this plot in the comics was that Carl gets kind of disgusted with his father because he thinks his father's turned craven. Because uh, mm. Rick really commits to the lull and Negan into a false sense of complacency, and and Carl takes it upon himself that he's going to go to Negan's compound and get revenge, huh. and which kind of impresses Negan uh, with the boy, and they continue to have this really weird uh, Hannibal Lecter Agent Starling relationship where Carl sneaks down to the prison and talks to the the increasingly bearded and long haired and. <laughs> Uh, Manson-like Negan yeah. about the nature of the world and, and the humanity, and those things are really super interesting, and I think Chandler Riggs is rounding into a character that's going to make that stuff really work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also thought, again, my thoughts, my memories of the comic book arc are a bit hazy, but I remember Maggie almost immediately blaming Rick for getting her husband killed. Uh, because Maggie wasn't the godfather in this. This uh, this was hmm. something that Rick kind of... It was Rick and his balls that got them in the situation. And I actually find it a lot more interesting that Maggie was feeling responsible on multiple levels. And I think yeah. that's the one thing that they... You know, some of this stuff, some of these character alterations they've done actually have suited the character and make it more interesting. So I like the fact that Maggie was left... I don't know that they'll, they'll get around to her blaming Rick again, but her initial reaction of, you know, being angry and defiant and then frustrated and then, you know, guilty, like all those things were really interesting and I liked, I thought they were kind of smart, um, smart, natural um, fallout from what they've done to the comic book plot line. And I'm so glad that they remembered that because it's kind of like The Walking Dead to go ahead and change her arc and then still have her be pissed off at Rick. When she was stumbling over towards him, I thought she was going to punch him. Right. And I'm like, well, what the fuck, Maggie? <laughs> um, but they like actually made these changes and rolled them back into her character. So whew, I'm glad we saw that. What cool. What feedback do we got? Uh, yeah, we just got one email. I wasn't going to do a whole spoiler section for it, but now that we're in it, Ryan in KC says, do you think Daryl being taken by Negan will help lead to Dwight's face turn? 
supposing they even do it. Har har. Or does this seal the deal that this isn't going to happen and will somehow be remixed? I actually uh, think it's more interesting because, you know, they've set Dwight and Daryl up to be these big nemesis. Of course, Daryl doesn't even exist in the comic books. Um, and right. I always thought it was one of the things I thought was pretty, and again, I haven't read the arc for a while, but I always thought it was a little hazy Dwight's motivation for turning against Negan. Hmm. And okay. I thought maybe one of the things in the comics we were supposed to understand is that it was kind of a leap of faith to, you know, trust, trust that Dwight was, was not a turncoat because we almost got, we, we really only got stuff from his POV and Rick kind of trusted that blindly. Uh, I think that having Daryl over so there... He's going to keep saying, we ain't them. It's not going to happen, and Dwight's well, going to go, eventually, yeah, yeah, you're right. We ain't them. Um, <laughs> I think that having Daryl there as an inside man to kind of witness the fractures within the cult of personality that Negan has has, has brought mm-hmm. um, is going to be interesting, and it's going to make Rick seem less like desperate gamble and more like right on you know like okay this this is going to seem more routed and actually rooted in actually intelligence and less of a leap of faith so yeah i i'm i think it's gonna be interesting to see like you know daryl's kind of like um you know going through this process of soul searching i think it's going to be interesting to see what becomes of his relationship with dwight um you know because dwight kind of owes him um and also like you know i forget dwight's wife or girlfriend sherry or terry or whatever like yeah um, that's, you know, like Negan's essentially got a harem of wives that he just claims and takes over. And that's the, if, if they go like from the comics, the reason that Dwight's face got burnt is because he had trouble accepting that arrangement. Right. Um, so that, that, that stuff is all set up to be kind of interesting. Um, okay. And I think maybe, maybe an improvement over the source material. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm interested in this next arc. From everything you've described, I'm, and I just hope they don't shit it. the bed because it'd be so easy for them to like. They really, yeah. they. I mean, all they got to do is resist the worst impulses and tell mm-hmm. the goddamn story. And don't you, you can you can have like like Scott Gimple needs to learn like what people have been doing in episodic television forever, which is balancing an A, B, and C plot, right? And he cannot fucking spin two episodes with Morgan and Carol at the expense of all this shit. You just can't do it, man. Like, the, yep. ver- the fucking jury is in on that. It doesn't work. <laughs> uh-huh. So you need to be able to advance what's going on. You got you to figure out what's going on with Fist Bump mm-hmm. and Heath. You got to figure out what's going on with Morgan and Carol. You got to continue to develop the plot with Alexandria and Rick and and, Maggie and and Sasha. You've got to be able to do that. You cannot fucking focus on everyone because it's going to be a complete shit show if you do. And it sounds like that you're way worse with the fan community than I expected. So (laughs) um, it's going to be these these next few weeks are going to be crucial to see if they can learn those lessons or if they're going to stubbornly continue to cling to the storytelling devices that have got them in so much trouble we'll see we'll see you next week yep see you then